Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, Good morning and greetings uh, on this first Lord's Day of 2020. It's also the 12th day of Christmas and the day before Epiphany. That's a lot of things, right? So good morning. morning. You know, the Lord has uh, given us another day to be together as the people of God. Another day to grow together in grace and contend for the faith. And... I pray that this year we begin to see things more clearly. I was kind of joking the guys up front that we'll have a theme, seeing more clearly in 2020, and we'll give everybody out glasses and, you know, uh, whatever. But uh, I do pray that we will begin to see more clearly. You know, that the scripture teaches us that oftentimes we see with the eyes of the world and we see things through the lens of what they think it is like. But God's word teaches us that really what we need to understand is that things are not the way that they appear to the natural eye, right? The way that that the world sees things or the way that it seems to be is not always it. Just like that, uh, the prophet who was with his servant and he prayed that his eyes would be open and he would see what's really going on. And when the servant was able to see that it wasn't just that there was an army that was after them, is that God had an army who was between them. Now that would be something if we could see that clearly. Amen? God wants us to see through his eyes and not our own. Advent and the 12 days of Christmas have been accomplished uh, as of today, and Epiphany's coming, and it helps put the seal on the story of the coming of Christ to earth as a man. It was the beginning of the end of sin and death, just like it's the beginning of our year. An end to what Adam had brought through his disobedience to God and all the darkness and suffering for thousands of years that came has begun to be undone. The work Jesus did here on earth was the beginning of the end of all of these things and his death on the cross and his resurrection were the cornerstone of his work in making all things new. Everybody say, he's making all things new. Jesus is now the new king of earth and Satan has been cast down. You remember Jesus saying, I beheld Satan. He was cast down as lightning. Epiphany celebrates the great expansion of this new kingdom that will have no end. As we've been 
saying, and we will say again today, if you remember, of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. It's not just that it won't come to an end, but the increase of it, the growth of God's government in the world will not come to an end from the time that Christ has come until all his enemies are trampled under his feet. Until all those of every kindred and culture and country of the earth. Today we celebrate the fact that those of us gathered here today that we have received him as our king. That's the good news that we're out telling people about that he has come, the king has come. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 102. David cried out and he said, Lord, hear my prayer and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I call. Answer me speedily. For my days are consumed like smoke and my bones are burned as a hearth. My heart is smitten and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. By reason of the voice of my groaning, my bones cleave to my skin. I'm like a pelican in the wilderness and I am like an owl of the desert. I watch and have been as a sparrow alone upon a housetop. Mine enemies reproach me all day and they that are mad against me are sworn against me. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping. Because of thine indignation and thy wrath, thou hast lifted me up and cast me down. My days are like a shadow that declines, and I am withered like grass. But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever in thy remembrance unto all generations. Thou shalt arise and mercy upon Zion for the time to favor her, yea, the time, that set time, it is come. For thy servants take pleasure in her stones and favor the dust thereof. So the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth, thy glory. I'll stop here for just a moment to remind you that they lived in a world where they were a little teeny tiny minority of, of uh, a religion on the face of the earth in the Middle East at that time. And now there are billions who name the name of Christ. Now the most powerful nations on earth are Christian nations. And now when our enemies rattle their swords against us, they can't quite do it with a lot of confidence because fire rains down upon their heads. When the Lord shall build Zion, he shall appear in his glory. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise his prayer. This shall be written for generations to come and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. For he hath looked down upon the height of his sanctuary and from the heaven the Lord to behold the earth, to hear the groaning of the prisoner and to loose those that are appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the people are gathered together in the kingdoms to serve the Lord. He weakened my strength in the way and he shortened my days. But I said, oh my God, take me not away in the midst of my days, the years throughout all generations of old thou hast laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment as a vesture shall thou change them and they shall be changed. But thou art the same and thy years shall have no end and thy children of thy servants shall continue and their seed shall be established before thee. Folks, we will live and die. We will be changed like a garment for the next generation that comes, but our Lord will endure forever. I was excited today, and maybe you've seen this uh, news item, but there are more uh, people converting to Christianity in the country of Iran right now than have 
for the last 13 centuries combined. That hundreds and thousands of people over there are being baptized. They're coming uh, to the knowledge of Christ. They're seeing visions in their sleep of Christ and they're coming to serve the Lord. This is happening all over Iran right now. A few years ago when we were at Voice of the Martyrs, they told us about this and I wondered if it, how, how they would know in such a, a dark place. And then we were in Israel and the, the leaders of Christ Church told us that Muslims were coming to them with visions and dreams of Christ saying, come and serve me. Even they said Muhammad telling them, go serve Christ. It's happening around the world. God is having his holy will. We're not going to conquer Iran by blowing them up. God is going to destroy Islam and he's going to destroy the hateful, false, pagan religions of the world that love death. And he's going to bring life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the power of your word. Lord, not so that we can be strong in our bodies, Lord, but that we, Lord, realize that we are like grass that fades away. We are like the flower that fades. And when the sun comes up, it burns that grass just like us. We're weak. But Lord, you endure forever. Lord, you endure throughout generations. Our children will serve you and our children's children will serve you. And all things will be put under your feet. Lord, we rejoice in that today as we gather to worship our King. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. standing for just a little bit longer. My text actually is from something we, you've just heard, but I'm just going to read seven verses of it instead of all of it. Uh, but my sermon today is called New Through You. Everybody say, New Through You. New through you. And what I'm hoping that you might do the rest of today, if you get a chance, is remind people, hey, Steve, you know how God's making the world new? He's making it new through you. If we could remind each other of that, it would help us. Sometimes I think we don't realize how God does what he does. He does what he does in such, um, such unimpressive means that we actually don't, we don't really believe that it's actually happening, but it is. You know, we, we love the, the fiery missile strike, which, I'm, you know, they're politicians and military leaders. They can figure it all out. We like that. But the, but the little girl sharing her faith in Baghdad or in Iraq or in Iran or wherever they are. Or I read, I read the story about a young woman who came to Christ and she just went home and she told her mom and dad. And all of them repented. And there are those who come to Christ and their family doesn't repent. If you recall in Hebrews chapter 11, it talked about there were those who saw great deliverance. They, they took down cities and burned the gates and they won great battles and others didn't. And today, most of us are going to be those that aren't so great. There are not many Samsons among us or, you know, many great 
people among us. In fact, God does most of what he does through people that just aren't so great to remind everybody of who is great. Amen? In Revelation chapter 21, we hear about the new Jerusalem. Let me read it for you. I'm I'm not going to read the whole chapter like you just heard, but I do want to read the first seven verses. And this is John. Could you imagine John seeing this? You know, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. Wow. (laughs) How can that even be? I don't know. And I saw, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. Everybody say New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem. Coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Who's that? Who is that? Who's going to be adorned as a bride? The bride of Christ. This, this is talking about you. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, neither crying, Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Amen, amen. Let it be, Lord, right? And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write these words, because they are true and faithful. Now, don't miss that. Here we have a guy, John, who is just a man, just like you, just like me. And the God of heaven, the one sitting on the throne, making all things new, said, hey, John, I want you to write that down. And he wrote it down. And we're reading it 2,000 years later as God has used people like us to preserve it and bring it to us. Folks, I'm telling you. He said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give them, that is the thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God. And he shall be my son. Let us pray. Oh, help us to remember that now are we the sons of God. Help us to remember who we are. It will help us as we face temptation and difficulty and doubt. Lord, I pray today that we would be bolstered. We would be encouraged, Lord, that we would be strengthened today by the truth that you indeed are making all things new and you're doing it through us. In Christ's name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. We have a glorious future ahead of us. Don't believe the headlines. Don't believe the prognosticators. Don't believe the prevailing thought of many evangelical Christians. Jesus is not going to lose. The world is not going to get to the state where God has to just pull us out at the last minute because he's going to save us, but let the world burn. Jesus said he loved the world and he's going to save it. And I can't imagine anything Jesus sets out to do. He's going to fail at doing. 
When Jesus came to earth, he won his fight with the flesh and the devil and the world. Like you heard in our text, Alpha and Omega said, it's done, right? You remember Christ on the cross. What did he say as he was there right before he said, it is, it's finished. There isn't, do you know you don't have to pay for sin? You couldn't if you wanted to, but do you know you don't have to? There is a theology in our midst. It's this, it's the flesh that wants to try to pay. It's where the doctrine of penance comes from in the Catholic church. We want to pay. Do you know some of you like to be beat up in this pulpit? You really shouldn't. Some people like to beat people up from it. That's not what it's for. If anything is to be destroyed and beat down, it is the doubt and the faithlessness and ungodliness. He, Brother uh, Andy read for us, it says that these people are cowards, that these people are faithless. What is he talking about? He said, people who don't believe my word. People that believe God's word stand on it, and they stand in the face of their enemies with no real idea how anything is going to happen, and they watch God come and deal with their enemies. That's what people of God do. We're not faithless cowards. We may die when we stand against our enemies, but if we do, then God has willed it for us. I like to stand in the face of my enemies because I know somebody's going to stand. David didn't know that he was going to defeat Goliath, but he was like, you know what? Somebody better stand up. Do you understand he's defying the armies of the living God? He's like, if you bunch of people in your armor and you with all of your training aren't going to do it, I'm going to stand up. And you know what? We're still talking about him today. When Jesus came to earth, he won his fight with the flesh. He did not sin. He won his fight with the devil. He did not acquiesce to his temptations. And he won his fight with the world. When Jesus came in human form, he began a process that cannot be reversed. Folks, if you think that all that what the devil's doing and all the bad out there somehow going to counter affect what God's doing, you should know it assuredly. It will not. It cannot. He started a building project that cannot be derailed. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He spoke the words of the new creation and a light came forth that cannot be put out. A new city set on a hill as it is his church, his people, his kingdom come. Jesus conquered and if you look for it you will see that he is conquering every day. Ultimately he will conquer everything that exalts itself above him. But do you know the main thing that we need to be concerned about is let him conquer us. We fear, we doubt, we are faithless, we sin. And you know, we're oftentimes focusing about out there. But do you know Christ can be Lord of your life, of every, of every bit of your life? Do you know that God has uh, set us free from sin? You don't have to have a sin that is weighing you down, that is going like a cloud over your head. You don't have to have that. Romans chapter 6 says, don't you understand that God has set you free from these sins and that if you willingly make yourself a prisoner, you're in trouble. Don't do that. 
Paul reminded the Ephesians, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Don't be entangled again with it, folks. The devil wants you entangled because you're a powerful, powerful force, and he just wants to slow you down. He can't stop you. Jesus conquered, and if you look, you will see he's conquering every day. Ultimately, he will conquer everything. All things will be put under his feet as they are put under our feet, it says in Ephesians chapter 1. Well, you know, if you're discouraged, just read Ephesians 1. I'm telling you, I'm so thankful that as a, as a 15-year-old kid, I memorized it. You guys that are working hard to memorize the scriptures... You know, for a long time, I just knew the scriptures and that knowledge actually puffed me up. And some of you that memorize the scriptures, you're having a little bit of that problem too. But eventually as God work on, worked on my heart, that word became handy. It became handy to remember. Paul's praying a prayer in Ephesians 1. He's saying, I am praying that you'll understand who you are. That you're going to understand what you are. And God's going to put all things under your feet. Far above all principality, power, rulers, might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come, all things under the feet of the church. Every man, every thought, every government, every disease, all of poverty and injustice, God through Christ is making all things new and he's doing it through you. That's a pretty wonderful outlook on the world. And that's not just some pie in the sky, as some might say. This is not the power of positive thinking. You can look at your uh, dish rack filled with dirty dishes all day long and think positive, but they're not going to get clean. Put your hands in the water and start cleaning the dishes. I, I love to do dishes. I don't know if you know that, but. Knowing this should give us all confidence to work the works of righteousness in the daylight of his reign and give us the determination to put to death the sins that easily beset us and detract us from this great work because that's all they do. They weigh us down. They slow us down. It should strengthen us when we falter and fail as we will do from time to time, day to day. But hear the word of the Lord, good people of God. God gives us, he gives you and me the victory, it says. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Therefore, my beloved brethren, Paul told the Corinthians, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's 1 Corinthians 15. Folks, if you work, don't let it be so that people can see that you're working. If you work, don't work because you feel guilty because of the wretch that you are. If you're going to work, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because you know that your labor's not in vain, that God is working through you. I'm telling you if, you, if you looked at my life as God sees me, well, it'd be hard for you really to have any relationship with me at all. You'd say, Pastor Mark is just... He's just a weak mess. See, yeah, that's right. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to live a life watching God stomp down his enemies under my feet. You'll watch that happen. And it won't happen because I'm super righteous. It won't happen because I pray four hours a day. It won't happen because I've reached a level of righteousness to where I never have a bad thought. Folks, I'm telling you, if you think that is the key to the power of God, you've missed it altogether. The key to the power of God is understanding that he's powerful, that he's working, that he starts things, that he finishes things, that he opens doors. And the sooner we understand that and begin to rest in his promises, 
the more power we will see in our lives. There is work to be done that is worth doing, church. No matter how many times your flesh tries to tell you it's a waste of time, no matter how many times the devil tempts you to give up, to say that that little mite that you have to put in the offering isn't anything, that that little work that you have to do isn't anything, little Stacy, that that song that you're writing, it's not important. He, long as he can keep you shutting up and not writing down your prayers to God and not singing your songs to God, he's getting done what he wants to get done. But everything that we write and everything that we do and everything that we try... Folks, I didn't write a book because I thought I could write a book. I wrote a book because I wanted to. I, I read books and I read about people talking about what God did, did in their lives. And I, I, I read it and I said, man, this makes my heart burn. and makes me want to do something for God. And so you know what? Ultimately, you write stuff down. I, we, we heard the story. Have you guys ever heard the story of David Brainerd? The little bits and pieces I've heard, Andy, they're just absolutely depressing. And they're depressing because he struggled with depression. And he wrote in his diary thing after thing about how sad he is and how low he is and how he can't make it. But you know what he did? I finally, I finally, of all the documentaries, I finally found one that actually, I know why people keep talking about the guy. Because in the midst of his depression and his, in his, in his lowness, and, and he, would, he would call himself, you know, melancholy and, and, and depressed. And he said, I can't even talk. I can't even write. I feel, he was struggling with clinical depression. But he goes among the Indians in Pennsylvania and starts telling them about the God of heaven who can change their lives. And he's baptizing them. He doesn't have an interpreter. He can't even talk to them half the time. And he's laying off somewhere in depression half the time. But the other time, he's up on his feet and he's going, let me tell you about Jesus. I never thought about, I'm like, what a depressing guy. Well, you know what? I think if most of us knew the bad things and rough things that go on in the lives of men of God, we'd probably be depressed by him. Your little bits, nothing the devil tells you. Those, those little two lows and those, those, those little fishes, those, those, those fishes and lows, they're nothing. Five lows, two fishes. We must heed God's word instead of believe that nonsense is true. God says, oh, that little boy with a sling and a few stones from a, from a creek, that'll work. What do you mean? The giant's nine feet, six inches. Yeah. Jonathan with his armor bearer. Look at all those Philistines over there. If I could just get over there, I'll fight them all myself. And his armor bearer's like, oh. He said, do you think it's harder for God to defeat them by our whole army or just by you and me? Jonathan got excited. Why? He had seen David walk out into Goliath. The enemy of your soul would like to tell you that you have gone too far, that you have done too much wrong. Yeah, that's what he tried to tell David when David had done all the sins that he had done. But then still, yeah, you know what God did? He said, David's throne will be established forever. We, 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 we call, and we talked about this recently. We willingly call Jesus the son of David. Do we not? How can that be, Jason? He's an adulterer, murderer, sinful, bloody-handed guy. God wouldn't even let him build his temple. And we'll call Jesus the son of David. Because God has washed David clean like he's going to wash you and me. Folks, it, it is not true that your hands are too bloody. 
It's not true that you've done too wrong or you're too weak. You're, you're here and you're just going, oh, I'm just eat up and I'm just a mess and I'm a difficult thing. I'm not like those other people. Folks, we're sinners in need of a Savior. That's why we get together every week. That's why we break the bread every week and we drink the wine. We remember that we need Him to save us and that He is saving us every day. God has said that Jesus is building a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against in you are a part of that church. He has told us that though our sins be as scarlet, God shall make them white as snow. Beloved, now. Everybody say now. Now are you the sons of God. Not one day in heaven, one day when you're really cleaned up and and you're away from all of the, the problems here. No, now are we the sons of God. It may be hard for you to see and harder still for you to believe that God is greater though than your heart is. He will accomplish his will in the world through weak women and men like you and me. This is what he has been doing every day and he will continue to do it until his enemies are crushed. Revelation 14 said, here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God. You have to understand, we're not talking saints with a capital S. Folks, you are the saints of God. You are the people of God. Here's the patience of the saints. They that keep my commandments, the faith of Jesus Christ. I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. He's saying, you know what? We may die one day. We may be like the grass that withers. We may be like the flower that fades. We may be fed to the lions. But it says their works do follow them. Things that you work on, things that you build, things that you start, they're going to live on past you. The work that you put in following our Lord, the hours that you pour into your children, teaching them to obey God's word, the courage that you express in going to your brothers and sisters or, or going to a foreign land or trying to raise money to do something in the kingdom God needs to be done. What you do with your wives and your children as you challenge them in their sin to honor God instead of following after the lust of their flesh. These things, the Bible says, follow us into eternity. Your sins will not, though. Right, Bonavires? We talked about this. Your sins will not follow you because they will be forgotten. They will be cast into the sea of forgetfulness. Your failures will not follow you because God, he never fails. Those things done for Jesus will last. Those deeds done for Christ and his church here on this earth will endure when the heavens melt with a fervent heat and pass away before God creates it anew. The text that we read earlier from the book called The Revelation of Jesus Christ tells us of a future that we can count on, a future that every eye will see. They may be blind to it today, but someday everyone will see the things as they truly are. They stand up with their chests out in pride. They stand up rattling their sabers. They stand up talking and railing against God. But just as Goliath stood and railed and said, who is willing to come out and fight me? The people of God will come out and we will fight and we will bring our enemies to the ground. We may not even own our own sword, but we'll take theirs and cut their head off with it. Today, I'm calling on each of us, great and small, to walk by faith and not by sight. Like so many stories of the word of God from Elijah and the widow of Zarephath to the boy who shared his five barley loaves and two fishes that fed 5,000 to the widow that gave her mites in the temple as Jesus and the disciples watched. We talk about it regularly. All these are pictures of how God has chosen to work through the, the order. You may say, Pastor Mark, you say this all the time. 
You talk about this all the time. Well, I'll tell you what, I know, but I know this. Brother Paul did a, a tally for us. Do you know we've raised $653,000 for missions? Do you know this year we raised $175,000? That's crazy. You know, they're asking me to talk on missions. You know what I told them? I said, our church doesn't really have a missions budget. We don't really have enough money for it. <laughs> and it's true. But we raised $175,000 this year. Yeehaw. Folks, how does that happen? It happens when people say, you know what? God can do that. Pastor Nate, I'm so glad I met him. Pastor Mark, you should pray to the God who has all things. He sent me a note this morning. Thank you for your hard work, for your loving care for me and for my people. All oh, that means so much to me. We quote these words a lot, but it seems that we must be constantly reminded. Paul said it this way in chapter 1 of his second epistle to the Corinthians. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of the wise. So what that means is, if you're doing anything for God, it must be because you're pretty pathetic. I can testify to the truth of that. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the wisdom, to confound the things that are mighty, the base things of the world, them are despised, God hath chosen. When my wife met me, I told her that my favorite food was squirrel gravy. My favorite color was pink, Andy. I mean, seriously, it was the 80s, so whatever, you know. They asked me what nationality I was, and I said hillbilly. I mean, these are the, this is how I answered this. It's true. And can God still use me? Oh, yeah, he can. He does. I hang around with people with letters at the, at the end of their name. And, 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 you know, and, and, you know, I don't have any letters. Who cares? Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You know, that's the way we are. We do one little thing and we go strutting around. You see what I did? I did some pretty amazing things. We're like Barney Fife. Here today at the old jailhouse, you know, and then you shoot yourself in the foot, right? You know, folks, that's us. And if you don't believe that's what God's word is teaching, you don't read it very closely. He takes a man like Peter who curses and who denies him and who runs away and flees with him. And he says, he's going to preach the first sermon of the church. He takes a guy like Paul who's killing Christians. And he says, I'm going to make him the, the replacement for Judas. Wah! God works making all things new through you. And me, somehow by God's power and miraculous grace, we're able to build things that will be impervious to destruction. I don't understand how he does it, but don't, it doesn't matter. God does most of what he does this exact way. For now, we need to understand that our role in this work is just to do what is in front of us. It's just to, to if, you, if you fall down, get up. The Bible says a righteous man falls down seven times, but he gets back up. I was talking to someone about forgiveness 
recently, and I remembered what Jesus said about it. How often do we forgive each other? Remember he, the disciples, should it be seven times? And, and Jesus, what he told them was so shocking. No, how about seven times? Seventy. <laughs> a day. Now, Luke, come on. That's a standard. Now, now Pastor Mark, now, you know, you're going to have to straighten up. Hear what the Apostle Paul says. He says, now, if any man build upon this foundation of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, or wood, hair, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Folks, I'm telling you, if you are working in your own righteousness, if you are doing things in your own strength, God will burn it up. But if you learn to walk by faith and you learn to follow him, you'll do things that'll last forever. I, I, think of, I think of the guys who wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were writing out the word of God. And, I, and I've gotten to see those. And, and it, here it is thousands of years later in Jerusalem. It's, around, it's in this circular thing inside the, the, this museum. And you're looking at the whole scroll of Isaiah. Do you know some guy, some guy who earlier in the day was building a fire, who earlier in the day was making a little bit of food. He was going out there and he was getting his little ink. I don't know where he got his ink. I don't know where he got his paper. I don't know how he did what he did, but he did it. And we're still thousands of years. Can you imagine anything that you did being used or being remembered? God says your works will follow you. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day will declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Are you trusting in your own righteousness today? Are you angry and when you sin and just go, well, I can't do anything? Or do you despise your own weakness and you're mad about it? How about rejoicing in it? You know what? God can use me. In our text from Revelation 21, we see how all things come together as God planned for mankind. Genesis and Revelation, both these great bookends to God's Bible, both talk about creation. In Genesis, we have the creation of the heavens and the earth. And here in our text, we have the new heavens and the new earth. A great deal of what we see in Revelation is foretold back in Isaiah several times looking forward to the birth of Christ and the building of his kingdom. So let's look at it again real quick. Isaiah 11, there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. Once again, Isaiah is prophesying. He's going to be one of David's. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of the counsel of the might. The spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. And he shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after his own sight of his eyes. Neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. Even Jesus had to learn not to trust his eyes in his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor. He shall reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And the righteous shall be the girdle of his loins, and the faithfulness of the girdle of his reins. He's explaining that there will not only be him, but remember what Jesus said when he was leaving? They were worried. Wait a minute, you're going to be gone. Nothing good's going to happen. You're not here. What did he say? Greater things than these shall you do. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard lie down with the kid, the calf and the young lion, the fatling together. Folks, not only are we going to, not only are people going to come to Christ, but the earth itself will be changed. Weather, animal behaviors, 
food. It's all going to change. How? I don't know. The, care, the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The suckling child shall play in the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the cockatrice den. How, how, how can what we do do that? Don't know. I have some inklings. There are these little hints to things. You've heard me say it before, but when you can train a, a, a killer whale to let someone ride around on its nose and fly them up in the air, then you, something can happen, right? When you can train dolphins to go and get uh, mines off the sides of American ships and dogs to resist the explosions and, and gunfire, whatever, and go right in and, and face the enemy. If you can do that, something can happen in the world. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the Lord shall be full. The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand as an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Isaiah 65, as we read, I am sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. Anybody doesn't understand the beauty of the doctrines of grace, you can take them right here and you can say, we weren't looking for him and he came for us. We weren't asking for him to save us and he saved us anyway. Behold, behold me unto the nation that was not called by my name. God speaks here of man's total depravity and his grace toward all of us who will never seek him. I have spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people that walks not when the way that is good after their own thoughts. You can read all this and you can go, oh, they're nasty. But you need to do is to go, I would be that. That would be me. We don't go around the world looking at the sinners of the world and going, ooh. Should look at the sinners of the world and, and you should raise your hands like Jonathan's been doing. You should raise your hands and say, oh God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. We should not look with pride upon them as somehow we are not just like them because we are. A people that provoke me to anger continually in my face that sacrifice in gardens, burns incense upon the altars of brick, which remain among the graves and lodge in the mountains and eat swine's flesh and do abominable things. He's saying, those are the people I saved. Those are the people I came for. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. He even talks about self-righteousness in verse 5, which says, stand, go stand by yourself. Don't come near me. I am holier than you. Talk about an ugly doctrine in the church. Folks, when you look at other people in the church and you judge them and you compare yourself amongst yourselves like that, you're wrong. You're flat out wrong. Well, I think... I think that we have a holier approach. Really? It says, these things are smoke in my nose and a fire that burns all day. Does it sound like God likes it when we get proud of how good we are? Folks, when you get around the people who don't homeschool their children and they send them to public school and you get around people that don't live like you, if you go, you know, don't get near me, I'm holier than you, God hates it when you do that. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't do your best to keep the filth of this world out of your life. But I'm telling you, if you think it makes you holy, then you stink in the nostrils of God. Verse 16, he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. He that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the God of truth. He's explaining to them that one day people are going to get it that all these gods are false. Verse 17, for behold, I create the new heavens and the new earth. Isaiah sounds just like Revelation, right? Because it is. It's the prophecy of it. The former shall not be remembered nor even come to mind. 
There's another scripture that helps us with that. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and a people of joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall no more be heard. And what does that sound like? Sounds like just like he's talking about in Revelation 21. Nor the voice of crying. Somehow God is going to use you and he's going to use me to do these marvelous things on earth. It's not something that will be done in one day, but it will certainly happen over a great expanse of time, bit by bit, yard by yard. God's people will fill the earth with his glory as the children of Israel took the land given to them between the Mediterranean Sea and the Dead Sea as that was their promised land. You know what the promised land is for you? This entire planet. There is no border. It's the whole thing. The whole earth is our promised land. Verse 21, they'll build houses and they'll inhabit them. They'll plant vineyards and they will eat of them. They shall not build another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. He's saying, it's not going to be like this where, see, in those days they would work and they would build this great vineyard and this great house and then an enemy would come and kill them and take it. He's saying that it's not going to happen. We're going to build and no one will live in it but our generations. We're going to plant and no one's going to reap of it, but we're going to reap of it. They shall not build another habit. They shall not plant another eat for as the days of the tree are, as the days of my people, mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, neither bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. Our labors are not in vain. Say my labor is not in vain. By faith, we keep working the works of righteousness. Now listen to this in verse 24. And it shall come to pass that before they call, before they call, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. You're about to pray for something. And then God brings it. You ever had that happen to you? Hey, God answers our prayers. We can learn to be a people of prayer, a people who live as though God is listening. God will hear us when we pray while our words are in our mouths. He will answer our prayers. Oh, I've seen it so many times. What would our lives be like if we lived in this reality, if we took our petitions to our king and we lived as though our lives were the work of the subjects of the king of kings? This is what a life of the kingdom is, life seeing everything that we do in the framework of this reality. See what God will do as his kingdom comes and his will is being done on earth. He talks about the wolf and the lamb feeding together, the lion eating straw. I don't know how God's going to do all this stuff. It's going to be amazing now. Somehow all of creation, not just man, will be eventually purged from the curses of our sins. And a day will come that God says that not only death will be conquered, but even the animals and men will live in harmony and not kill one another for food. Once again, I'm not arguing vegetarianism or whatever, but there'll be a day animals don't have to die. Death in men as well as animals is a horrible thing, and it came as the result of man's sin. Had he not sinned, there wouldn't be any dead animals. It must be and will be made right one day, and somehow it will be made that way through us. How will it come to be? I don't know, but Isaiah tells us that this will happen. What a world it will be that God is making. All things are being made new through you.
God said, this is, thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is a house that you can build for me? And where is the place that I can rest? Stephen quotes this very verse from Acts chapter 7 before they stone him. The God of heaven will not be contained in the walls of a temple. His kingdom will extend from shore to shore across all seas and lands. For all things hath, verse 2, for all things hath my hand made and all things has given, saith the Lord. But to this man will I, even to him that is poor and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word, he talks of a true heightened morality among men of the earth that will cover the earth. He that kills an ox will be as if he slew a man. He that sacrifices a lamb as if he cut a dog's neck. He that offer uh, an oblation as if he offered swine's blood. And he that burns incense as if he blessed an idol. Ye that have chosen their own ways and their soul delighteth in their abominations. He's saying there won't be sacrifice offered. Animals won't be killed anymore. We won't have to go to the temple. We won't have to buy things and offer up. All that's going to be over. I will choose their delusions, will bring their fears upon them, because when I called, no one answered. When I spake, they did not. But when they did evil before my eyes and chose that which I delighted not. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. Your brethren that hated you and cast you out for my name's sake, let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy and they shall be ashamed. He's picturing here Joseph. His brethren cast him out. Why? For the salvation of Israel. He says in verse 7, before she travailed and brought forth her pain came, she was delivered of a child who hath heard of such a thing, who has seen such things. Shall the earth be made to bring forth one day? The whole that one, shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Shall a nation be born all at once? For as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. As a nation was born the day our patriarch Jacob, so it was when the son of David, Jesus Christ, was born king of kings, his kingdom, as we have talked about will have no end. And then he says in verse 9, Shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth? Shall the Lord, shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, saith the Lord God? Rejoice with Jerusalem. Be glad with her, all you that love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all you that mourn, that ye may suck and be satisfied with the breasts of her consolation, that ye may milk out and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. For thus saith the Lord, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. And then shall you suck and be born upon her sides and be dandled upon her knees as one his mother comforts. So will I comfort you and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. He's got that picture of a woman carrying the little baby and that little baby is us. God will judge the wicked. We know this true. But after he judges the wicked, he will receive them. He will receive people from every kindred, every tribe, every people and nation. This is what is being made clear in John by John in Revelation 21. This is what God is doing as he, God is dwelling in us. How the kingdom of God comes to earth and fills it with his glory. The work that we do, the lives that we build this is how we work these eternal works. Revelation 22, I'll end with this. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side there was, there was a tree of life, 
which bare twelve manner of fruits that yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Remember, we've talked about this. Who are these trees? <laughs> it's us. You've got the people of Israel and you have the Gentiles and God brings them all together into one people. They become the, not just a tree of life in the garden, but they become the trees of life. There shall be no more curse. The throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. His servant shall serve him. They shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads. There shall be no light there, for they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light. They shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. The Lord God the holy, and the holy prophets sent his angel to show the servants all these things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I saw John, and I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard and seen, I fell down and worshiped before the feet of the angel which showed them to me. See, thus saith, then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which kept the sayings of the book, you should worship God. And he said unto me, Seal not thy sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. But he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Verse 12, and behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work. He's reminding us that what he was starting then was started then. It's not that it's going to happen one day. It happened then. Verse 13, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, that they may enter in through the gates of the city. I'll skip down to verse 17. The spirit of the bride say, come, come. He that heareth, come. Come, that is a, he that is a thirst, come. Whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Folks, what we should be doing is we should be going out and we should be saying the spirit and the bride say, come. We're the bride. We should be out looking for the lost. We should be out trying to find those people that don't know God's word. We should be speaking God's word. He, his word has the power to change them. What can change a sinner's heart? The Holy Spirit alone. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We go around speaking the word of God. Perhaps we'll see a life be born. Amen. This year we're going to go into Machu P and we're going to preach the gospel again. We're going to preach and we're going to tell them that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever and that he can change their lives. And I guarantee you we're going to see people come to Christ. Oh, if we could have that happen in Mount Sterling and Five Points and Harrisburg and Orient. The spirit and the bride say, come, come, let us and let him that heareth say, Come. That's what God wants us to do today. How are we going to make all things new? By inviting people to come. By speaking God's word to them and watching God change their lives. My prayer is that in this year of 2020, that we will see sinners come to Christ in this church whose lives may smell like the smoke of the, the, the world. The, the, you know, they talk about despising that, you know, pulling them out of the fire. The smell of smoke. My, my hands actually are, I, I fixed the fire this morning and every time I move my hand, I smell, I'm smelling the, the, the smoke from the wood. 
And it keeps reminding me, the Bible says that, that we are to literally grab, try to pull them out of the fire. And I don't know how, I don't understand how it works, but God wants us to go. When Jesus died and he rose from the grave, he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, teach them everything that I have done, baptize them, disciple the nations. He told them in the book of Acts 8, wait for what? The promise of the father. It came. He said, now do what? He said, I want you to go out into Jerusalem and I want you to go to Samaria and I want you to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. And what did the people of God do? That's what they did. And folks, we may be living in the uttermost part of the earth right now, but there are people who do not know Christ in the houses on this street and in Mount Sterling and, and Chillicothe and wherever we live. Oh, let us find them and speak God's word that perhaps we may indeed bring them into God's house. Amen? Amen. The world is being made new through you. It's a wonderful thing to find someone who doesn't know God and to watch them turn into your brother and your sister. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Let us pray. Oh God, help us to remember how you are making things new. Help us to remind each other as we look at each other to say, God's making the world new through you. Help us to remember our role we play in it, not in our strength, not in our wisdom, not because we have uh, orchestrated the best you know, argument that they can't beat us. Oh, Lord, that's, that's so fruitless. But Lord, lead us. As you led that Philip to the Ethiopian eunuch, you had already come and visited him. Your spirit guided Philip to that chariot. You let him participate in it. You let him baptize the man. You let him rejoice in his salvation. And you will do the same for us as you have done before. Oh, I believe it and I want to see it. That is my prayer today. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.